and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. I would like to welcome back a previous guest that we had on the Path 11 podcast. I'd like to welcome Lizette Shudemaker. And if you would like to hear the very first interview that I did with her a while ago, it is episode 131, and it is entitled Turning Negative Self-Talk Around. And we were discussing a book that she had out called The Childhood Conclusions Fix. And when we were on that podcast, she also mentioned that she was in the works of writing another book and that is now out and I was very excited um, to hear about that this book was in the works it's called childless living the joys and challenges of life without children and that speaks to me because um, I am in my early 40s and I had never had children and we started to talk at the very end of that podcast about what that was like and uh, Lizette had a survey on her website for people who were childless and I decided after we got off of the podcast, I went onto her website and I participated in this survey. So some of my answers, I believe she compiled a bunch of answers. We're going to learn more about that from people who um, took the survey into her book. So there's a small part of me that is connected to this book and I'm so excited about it. So Lizette, welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you. It is so lovely to be with you again. And you're actually one of 78 people from the United States who participated in this survey. So thank you for that as well. Oh, yeah, that's great. Great to hear. And how exactly, um, you know, I was just curious, how were those answers of the survey woven in to the research and this book? Yes. Yeah, so uh, when you see my book, you will immediately see quotes. Uh, fortunately, in the survey, with the questions I asked, I had also left like blank spaces where people could uh, share their story. And you will immediately see that childlessness always has a story. People have always either thought about it or, or considered it or grieved about it. Uh, but it is never like some people with children will say, oh, oh, I never gave it much thought that just, you know, I, I got I found this person, my partner, and then we had the kids. But for people who don't have children, whether they choose uh, to be child free or whether they feel they are childless, they would have liked it. But uh, it didn't happen. There's always a story. And I think the quotes from people in the book that are anonymized. Uh, but I categorize them by age and by country and by gender so as to give some information. And otherwise, um, my researcher actually compiled, you know, the, the, the categories of, of the data. But it was absolutely wonderful to have people participating from so many countries um, we had 31 countries, and I recently found out we had 32 because I had an email. I received an email from somebody from Iraq who wow. said, I participated, and I would love to receive your book, but payment is uh, quite difficult, so I just sent it to them. And it's just amazing through through the online environment, uh, you know, who who finds the survey. For you, it was easy. Right. <laughs> because we spoke. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, but had I, you know, had our paths not crossed, I wouldn't even have known. And, you know, what I love about this this book too, and you exploring this topic is I really don't see a lot of people talking about it. And I remember um, in our previous talk, I was kind of talking about some of the uh, external pressures that one gets in the way that it appears our life should play out. You know, after high school, you know, we're expected to maybe go on for higher education and go to college. And that might be where you meet, you know, the person that you fall in love with. And then you get married and children in the house. And there's the true American story, you know, and then and the dog and <laughs> all that yes. comes along. So when that doesn't quite happen to you, like myself, but I'm seeing it happen all around me in my social network, you kind of feel like the oddball out. But um, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting was that uh, your researcher had said that people who have participated in your survey were bizarrely happy. <laughs> bizarrely happy it was so great after we sent out the survey and she kind of kept me up to date she said after three days already a hundred people participated Lisa this is going so well and so when I came to her office she opened the door she she's a petite woman with a very big smile and and it was the first thing she said she said the people you have reached we have reached are bizarrely happy and so uh, the bizarrely happy is uh it's about fulfillment. Um, so, of course, I have, you know, I've reached a certain segment of the population, but those people feel that they have reached, they have unfolded their potential. They're fulfilling their potential and they're playing a role in society, whether that be through work or volunteering or as a friend or a family member or a person who has a bit more time on their hands than some people with children do. Um you know, they live on purpose. And that's what that is what makes them bizarrely happy. Right? Yeah, there is there is a sense of freedom. Um, and I know mm -hmm. we're going to get into that a little bit more where, you know, we are able maybe more freely to explore um, different things in life, not saying that those people that have children can't and that they are and also bizarrely happy. Um, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a different, different type of experience. Um, I was also really, uh, shocked to know that, uh, half of the people age 15 to 44 in the United States do not have children. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think you and I will both and our listeners too, will all hope that people of 15 do not have children. <laughs> and but 16 hey, and 17, it does happen. But uh, most of all, we would like children to be children for a while. Uh, but it is true. You already said that we often feel like the odd one out, but we are not. There are so many more people without children than we think. You know, in my country, uh, people born in 1970, so they are now still 48 or have already reached their 49th uh, birthday, 18% of women have no children and 28% of men have no children. But figures are more or less the same in the United States. So if 20% of the population does not have children of, of the adult population, so let's leave out, you know, the 17-year-olds the and maybe even the 19-year-olds. But um, if 20% of the population has no children, that means that, you know, roughly one in five people you meet on the street does not have children. And yet, you know, the whole kind of atmosphere is the, exactly like you painted the picture of you hitch up and then you, you know, you kind of follow the path that your parents followed. 
and create a family, maybe like the one you came from, or if you didn't come from a particularly happy home, then maybe very different from the one you came from. But that's still kind of expected. And so many of us are actually choosing a different way of life. Yeah. And do you think that that, um, too, just with, uh, you know, our, the newer generation coming up, um, do you have any inclination about if they will be a generation that does continue on this trend to have children or are they looking to be more of an independent looking to live life to the fullest, more so in their 20s before maybe settling down to have kids? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, about of, course, of course, the postponing of parenthood is also a big part of why, you know, many people don't have children yet. And then at, at the closing of the market, when the door almost closes, you know, they start or the hormones kick in or that kind of instinctive drive that you have to do it, or maybe they meet their, their partners later. So, so that's part of why many adults don't have children. But I have certainly seen that, um, and I think that is not only in the U.S. or Europe, that is a worldwide phenomenon, that youths are much more conscious. They, they, they can choose the choices are vaster and vaster. And that's a bit overwhelming uh, in a way. It's also amazing that we have so many choices in this day and age. But that also means that many will choose not to parent because they feel that is not their life path. And my suspicion is that uh, men and women who, who weren't particularly interested in parenthood, you know, did it for a long time because it was expected or because it was inevitable. They also didn't have the, the technology to prevent it uh, as we do now. Um, and, and so I think that is also much better for children. Yeah. It's much better to have parents who really, really wanted to be parents and wanted to be there and that those who are not interested, you know, don't do it and that that is fine. And I think uh, some young people, not all of them, surely, but some young people I've come across, you know, we had you used to have the acronym DINKS, double income, no kids. Right. And now I came across ginks, green inclinations, no kids. There are real worries about the state of the planet, uh, uh, about overpopulation. And that is not only in the Western part of the world. I read articles uh, from magazines in Pakistan and in India, where that was also very much, you know, in, in people's minds, young people's minds. In India also, one woman said, there's so many children uh, that are orphans or their parents cannot take care of them. Why would I want children of my own if I can play a role in making the lives of many children better instead of just having one or two of my, my own that I will then grow? So I certainly think that it is, it is a consciousness thing. Yeah. There's more awareness. I would agree. I would agree with that. And, you know, it's interesting in the beginning, um, you had mentioned that sometimes when um, people become childless, that there could be a story attached to it, or maybe there's a reason why, um, or it could be a calling or they never feel called to. But when you said that, um, it resonated something with me because I was originally married early in my early 20s, I think uh, 23. And, uh, you know, there were aspects about the marriage that were really good and then aspects that weren't that needed to be worked through. But I remember um, the person that I had married had great qualities to be a father and I could totally see him being a father. But I also kind of felt like that there were some behaviors that um, were 
made me really question whether or not I could mm-hmm. have children with him, right? So then the divorce came around 27, 28, maybe closer to 30, I don't remember. Um, it was about a seven-year span. And to me, I was looking at that time um, and being you know, married for the first time that that probably would have been the... I don't know if there's ever a right time to have kids, but in the disruption of my life there through the divorce and then recovering from the grief of the divorce and then moving on. And now here I am in my mid thirties. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened in that time that I feel also helped to make my decision as to whether or not that was going to happen. And you also talk about how, you know, some people who are childless, uh, there could be grief that comes along with that too. It doesn't mean that they didn't want to have children. They would have loved to have had them. Um, but sometimes things just, you know, play out the way that they do. Exactly. They do. They do. Um, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I mean, that end of the twenties is a really good time to have your children. And I was, I was, not married. I was engaged to be married. And I tried to picture my life with that man, also a very good man. Um, and I thought, oh, and I, then I will have children and maybe a dog and, and he will go off to work. And what will I do? And I was like not looking forward to that kind of life. So I broke off the engagement, which which kind of set me on a different path from most of my friends. And And so there is already this little kernel of of grief that when when many of our friends kind of seem to find the mate and do the mating, so to say, not to be, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was this summer where both my sister and my brother, who were younger than me, two and four years younger than me, got married, and I felt, you know, very strange and lonely and weird. And and why wasn't I on that path? And at the same time, there was something in me that also said, you know stick it out, girl, this is your path. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you recognize that? Totally, yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, uh, too, why I really wanted you back on the show to talk about this, because the topic can seem a little offbeat for the Path 11 and, and stuff that we do. You know, we go from talking about UFOs, aliens, extraterrestrials, healing, shamanism, then we're talking about, okay, being childless here. But, you know, when that point happened, and when you also discovered that, no, this is the path, for me, my spiritual um, awakening and the spiritual studies that I partook in and really me connecting with my life purpose happened in that moment. I think similar to yours when you discovered your path. Yeah. Yeah. So can you um, also describe how you broke the book down? Because this was an interesting way um, where you describe it in the different seasons that we have. Yeah, well, I actually didn't have such a such an easy time writing the book because it is such a uh, big topic, such a sensitive topic. And I had that this worldwide survey. So I thought, oh, who am I writing it for? Uh, you know, <laughs> what voice can I use? And then I thought this is something the childlessness and and the life path as it unfolds is something that actually uh, changes in the seasons of our lives. And, um, and so when I found that format, um, you know, in spring, as we said, we hope 15 year olds don't have children yet. 
Uh, so in the spring, none of us have children, but there is this growing awareness of, of who we are. And I have called it in the book, I, I speak about the inner film, uh, because for a while I, I was working with this. It's like, to me, there, it is as if there is an inner film reel in me that already has the ingredients of my life. It's kind of, I picture it at a level of my heart with my heart kind of as the light, bringing it to life in the outer world. And I have found that uh, speaking with people uh, in, a, in their early 20s who are kind of, even kind of coming out as saying, I might not want to go, you know, the route that my parents are expecting me to go. I might not want to be a parent. It is a bit of a coming out feeling. I said, you know, what is on your inner feel? Do you feel children and family life and taking care of someone for at least 18 years, maybe longer, is that on your inner film reel? Or is there something else? Are the ingredients of your movie, the movie of your life, as it sits in you, are they different? So so that is, uh, I speak about, you know, wanting wanting a different life, uh, the, the, uh, the drives of the head, because we can think about our life, but then there's the heart, you know, where does the heart lead us? And then, of course, hormones come into play. And, uh, you know, are, are they then the deciding force for what we, how we shape our lives? So, so I have all kinds of those kinds of conversations in, in the first part in spring. And also I want to honor the people who have given us the pill. You know, Margaret Sanger was a phenomenal uh, American woman who did so much for birth control. And, and she was the driving force for getting the pill out in 1960 that made it possible even for us to, to postpone and or well for women to become bosses of their own lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That up. Never even was thinking about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we take it for granted, but it wasn't there. It wasn't there. So there were all kinds of kind of unsafe methods. Um, and this was the first time that we could, you know, enjoy sexual relationships in the way that men have enjoyed them for much longer. And and we could control uh, uh, when we did or did not want a child. So that's also kind of a sign of the times. A sign of the times is also that there are so many life forms. There is not this one path as it used to be anymore. So then I, I move over to summer. And a summer is like when we become at like, like age 25, 25 to 30, we really become who we are, like like you and I. We, we, we kind of stepped off the, the conventional path and kind of had to forge and find our own. And, and it's also the time when some of us need to, I, I certainly needed to find new friends because most of my university friends were doing the conventional thing. And it was all about, you know, houses and mortgages and jobs and babies. And I was kind of not broke my relationship, went to live in Amsterdam, started my own company. It was a completely different life. So um, there's some loneliness. There can be some loneliness and some grief in that time. That can also be the grief that you don't find the partner. And you thought you would, but you don't. And... Um, and then there is the question of, you know, people are very easy in a way in asking, don't you find it selfish uh, that you don't want children, that you're not going for children? And I've thought about that a lot because I don't know if you got that question or are getting that question, but I got that question often. And I thought, mm, isn't it selfish to have children then? But then that is 
an answer you can't really give. And um, yeah, so the answer I'm giving, I, I come up belatedly because I didn't really have it then. I always felt a bit attacked. Uh, and I've spoken to many young woman, women uh, who feel a bit attacked by that question is, you know, I have some gifts to give. And if I give my gifts to the world, then how can that ever be selfish? And my gift is not parenting, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also talk about, you know, becoming an aunt or an uncle and what a joy it is to have children in our lives that are not ours, but that we can be deeply, deeply attached to our children or friends. And uh, the fourth part in the autumn is when we have really honed our presence and when we can enjoy, when we have, we, we are in a way enough unto ourselves, which doesn't mean we don't have a circle of friends or a partner we share our, our love and our life with. But I call this, uh, yes, the wisdom years when also we might still have our parents and, and we can uh, kind of come full circle in our relationship to them. Uh, some parents are really upset when their children don't procreate. Uh, I have heard uh, of people being disinherited because they weren't continuing the family line. Um, so, but as time goes on, you know, most parents hopefully will see that, you know, your past is your past and, and they can wish you luck on it. Um, then comes what I call the big M, you know, the menopause. And, and some women in their 40s said to me they can't wait for menopause to come because then the door will finally be closed. And even if they don't want children and they're very happy with it, they're happy with their lives, their work, their friends, their everything, uh, there's always this little voice that says, but shouldn't you? And you don't know how it is. And maybe this is going to be the love of your life, whatever. But of course, now with Advancing technology, when the eggs can be frozen, that door doesn't close at, say, 40, somewhere in your 40s. So I'm not, I'm not envious of women that age now. I was actually happy when it closes and, and many people with me. And, and then we come to winter. And of course, uh, many people have said to me and to others, those questions uh, don't seem to change very much over the decades is, well, uh, when you age, who will take care of you? And, you know, I think that's a question for people with children and without children, because not all children come on Sunday afternoon or take care of their parents. But uh, uh, my siblings and I certainly do take care of my 91-year-old uh, mother. And when I see what we do for her, like admin and banking stuff and arranging for care and the house and all these things, I do wonder. So I have a political proposal actually there that there that there is like there's many countries have child benefits. And I thought, well, you know, the childless and the child free, we have uh, picked up the slack for a lot of people who have children, like staying later at the office, uh, taking taking uh, slots that people with children don't want to have, accommodating them with holiday time, and, and also the child benefits that people with families get and that they most certainly need, and I don't begrudge them any of it. But wouldn't it be great if people without children would get kind of a, a winter benefit to, so we can hire in people? And because our numbers are growing, uh, this is certainly not only an 
an issue for individuals. It's a collective issue. And I have learned that even at the UN level, this is being spoken about because there are, of course, countries like Italy and Japan where, where aging is, is a serious issue and has been for many years. So this is kind of the book. Yeah, that's it's interesting too. It's like you bring up so many things that probably have crossed my mind, but um, you know, specifically in that, like with the benefits, right? It's like, well, I don't have children, but I don't get a tax write-off for it, <laughs> exactly. you know, or exactly. you know, yeah. Where where are some of those perks? But I'm also hearing like. Um, you know, I've been interviewing a lot of uh, death doulas lately because we have the Afterlife Awareness Conference um, coming up, you know, and they're assisting people in the dying process. But I almost feel like that there could be a whole nother, you know, business out there, caretakers for the childless, you know, Absolutely. and really um, because I mean, yeah, there are people there, you know, that that do help people that, you know, do not have children and you know, when they are dying or if they're in a nursing care facility. But yeah, um, you just bring up a great point. And if we did have some sort of maybe even structure around that, uh, where people specifically um, are motivated to help those who are dying without family or a bit larger family. Exactly. You know? And it's, it's not even, you know, not only to the point where we're dying, but those years in between when, you know, now we do online banking. So who knows? I'm 65, almost 65. Who knows, you know, in 20 years time, what they've thought up that I will not be able to grok anymore, but those things still, the bills still need to be paid. And, um, Yes, I've seen that, your your interest in, in the whole dying thing. I'm very interested in that too. But anyway, that's yeah. uh, that's a different topic. Yeah. Well, but but it yeah, and it is well, yeah. I mean, I guess I can weave it in a little bit because I I have um I don't have any biological siblings. I have a stepsister and a stepbrother. They live out in Arizona. My stepsister's my age, but uh, the chances of me dying out in Arizona, you know, probably aren't likely. I'll probably die in New York, you know, where I'm living and where I choose to stay. But, you know, that that is a, a little bit of a fear and a thought. It's like, OK, I don't have the siblings. I don't have children. I'm going to have to probably rely a lot on community and friends. But then you think, gosh, you know, do I put that burden on my best friend? And, you know, what if my best friend goes before I do? Or if we're the same age and we have the same lifespan, but we're getting sick at the same time, like who? You know, my parents will both have been passed. Um, you know, I, I come from a pretty small family, too. So it, it definitely is something that can cross your mind. And how do you prepare for that exactly? It absolutely can. I think, you know, so many parents wake up in the middle of the night worried about their children. And some of us, uh, and especially as we come into our 50s and, and 60s, kind of wake up in the night and kind of who's going to take care of us. And so it's good to befriend younger people <laughs> because <laughs> if you have only friends of your own age group, you kind of all have weak knees and don't know how to get to the grocery store. But um, yeah, yeah, but it's a societal phenomenon. So I'm, I'm curious how we're going to do that. And uh, one thing that I have found in the U.S. is this thing called villages. I think it started out in Boulder or a place like that where people said we would like to keep living where we live because we like our area, we like our neighborhood, we like each other. Uh, so let's be a bit more proactive. Let's uh, create a website so somebody who needs, you know, 
help with gardening or hanging a painting or um, cleaning out the attic, whatever, that we can call on each other. And so th that has actually moved over here too. Uh, we call it city villages. Uh, where pe and they're very different. There's there's one where people go out together and they say, when we build friendship, then we will start to take care of one another. And then there's another in Amsterdam where, where they have really categorized who is who is lonely in our neighborhood and who would would like to come and read to them once a week or whatever. So. So those things are, are already citizens, you know, citizen initiatives. We're already starting. Yeah, I think you're on to something there, definitely. And, and I see that, you know, if our consciousness, if we do start to evolve more, I feel that at least people here, you know, in in the Western world, they're craving for community because mm -hmm. we have worked, I think, into our culture so much of the I and the ego and success and money and mine, mine, mine. You know, it's like everybody builds a house and there's a fence up around it, right? We're constantly kind of like keeping people out. Um, and we've lost our sense of community and how to rely on each other. And I really feel that as things start to shift in the world, I think we're eventually going to come back to that where we're going to going to really be more one with the people around us and coming back to some of those roots of what it means to be in a village. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I, I really see that too. And, and I would, uh, put a nuance on the coming back to it, I think we are progressing towards it <laughs> uh, in a way that, um, because villages also used to be quite controlling. You kind of had to all be the same way in communities where kind of there was a fence around it because of religion or, or certain cultures or whatever. And I think we will progress towards more uh, multicultural, freer, uh, communities, but but still communities. Yes, very much. Mm. And, you know, you also uh, mentioned that there are six common characteristics of people without children. And I don't know if this also kind of ties into um, maybe a little bit of both of our experiences as we were discovering our path. But, you know, you mentioned some of the qualities are being um, self-starting, self-directed, self-sufficient, self-fulfilling, autonomous, unconventional. And do you want to talk a little bit more about those qualities that um, you've noticed? Yeah, so the, the here is also, of course, a big difference between people who have chosen this path or, you know, I talk about myself not even as having chosen it, but more it has chosen me. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of in me and I have obeyed and followed in my own footsteps. And that's what that is what makes me bizarrely happy, too. Um, uh, but there's a difference between those of us uh, there on the parental scale and those of us on the parental scale who would have loved to have a family or have children and to whom that was not given because of infertility or not finding the right person or whatever life events, uh, you know, there's illnesses people have at an early age to prevent them from conceiving later. Um, so I, I really want to make that difference because I, I think uh, those of us who uh, who have a path of uh, more freedom uh, and uh, not children, not parenting, not those schedules of uh, getting little beings to school every day uh, with the right clothes on and lunch in their backpack, is that that 
you can see that we already in our youth are more autonomous thinkers. Autonomers are more kind of, very often I have felt people said, I already in my family of origin didn't think I was gonna repeat that. And that was strange because all my friends had parents, everybody had parents. It was all, you know, the, the norm. And then I was a bit more autonomous in my thinking and a bit more unconventional. And, and we need to be unconventional because even if we are one in five without children, the convention is still that other path. And we need to be uh, at home with being unconventional without making it a thing. Oh, I'm so special because I'm so unconventional, right? <laughs> and then there's all these things where, um, you know, on the weekend, uh, there's no little feet that come running, waking us up, uh, begging for breakfast or needing to be ferried to parties or, or sports clubs or, or new clothes for the, for the next uh, season of school. So we need to be self-starting. And I think there's something very beautiful in that. And that, I think that is also linked to the bizarrely happy thing that we need to be attuned to our intrinsic motivation to live and our intrinsic motivation to connect to other people or to to interests or to nature, uh, because otherwise, you know, we just lie in bed the whole weekend until the alarm clock goes for us to go to work. Um, so that self-starting thing is, uh, I think it it's helpful when some of that is already there. And if our life flows in a way that we don't have children, we need to hone that quality. But also, I want to celebrate that quality, you know, because people with children have huge programs. They just do the program, especially when they have small children. It's like, you know, they're working like crazy to get the whole schedule finished by Sunday evening and then it starts again on Monday. And we don't have that for our evenings, for our free time. Uh, you know, what, what, is, what is it we really want to do? And then can we direct ourself towards that we we mustn't kind of sit and wait and just until somebody knocks on our door we we must take the initiative and then there is yeah yeah no yeah just just with what you're saying with that i sometimes feel though that um that oh, i guess i could only speak for myself that sometimes i can be judged about that well well you don't have kids so yeah you can go and you can stay up later or sure you can just take off and go but you know i have responsibility you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it just yeah, feels yeah, yeah. like um because i don't have all of those commitments it's like it's almost like well you don't understand you don't have kids you know or yeah that person doesn't have kids so of course they can you know do this or that and sometimes I like what you're saying. At least it makes me feel a little more empowered in that, yes, it should be celebrated. Um, but we also, like you were saying, we have to live life. We carry a different type of responsibility than in the world. Absolutely. And it is quite hurtful if people kind of look down their noses and kind of, yeah, but you with all your free time. And and to be honest, I never really knew how to deal with that. Uh, and looking back and having interviews now, I... Uh, and talks, I say, you know, can you be with what a person is saying and, and just say, what, where is this coming from in you? Right. Is this coming from overwhelm or frustration or it, well, let's, let's not use the word frustration. I mean, are you really tired? Where is it coming from in you to speak to me like this? 
Right. Uh, because I think sometimes there's also a little bit of envy. I would agree. I, I think that <laughs> I, I would absolutely yeah. agree. And I, I find sometimes, you know, I may sit across from a client or friends or even if friends are talking about someone and they may be saying, this has happened an, a handful of times. Oh, well, you know, and they don't have kids, but then they quickly will catch themselves because they know that I don't have kids. And they're like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've seen some people sometimes use that as a descriptor to also um, justify a little bit of a person's personality or that selfishness or like you were talking about, you know? Exactly. Or, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was also wondering too, like, as you said earlier, who am I writing this book for? I mean, there's a part of me that would love to give this book to all of my my friends who are moms <laughs> so that maybe they can get a, a better understanding of what it's like to live the, the life that I lead. I have no objection to that April <laughs> at all. <laughs> I so hope I, you have many friends. <laughs> yeah. So I was just wondering, you know, um, do you think that, you know, in, in trying to, to market the book and here you are selling it, some people may see the cover and if they do have children, they may just gloss over it. But what were some of your hopes, um, you know, in writing this book and who else do you want this book to reach? Um, you know, kind of like don't judge a book by its cover. And as people are listening to this podcast, maybe this book might be good to give someone that does have children or is contemplating it, or maybe even someone who they're trying to get pregnant, right? And maybe they are struggling uh, with infertility. And maybe a book like this might also bring a little sense of calm and a different way to look at life without children. Yeah. But what, what's your hope and for of it? course, that is a very sensitive line. If you can, if you can do that or not, or they will feel, you know, <laughs> they put all their cards on the infertility treatment, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, I was speaking to a 23 year old Belgian journalist earlier this week, and she had read the book and she said, I'm not sure yet if I want children or not, but at least now I know what a rich life I can have if I decide not to have children. Mm. And I was like so moved by that. And she said, I'm really happy I read it. And um, so that is certainly uh, what I had hoped that that people who are giving it this thought and kind of looking at the future and kind of trying to imagine their future can have some information of someone who's walked this path uh, ahead of them. And, uh, and that's also, in a way, how the book got started. There was a, a Facebook question in a, in a women's group of a 30-something-year-old who said, I'm contemplating not having children. Is there anyone out there how, who can tell me how that is later in life? And that kind of got me thinking. Um, so that's one. I would also really love for parents, uh, if their children you know, speak out and say, I'm not going to do this. We're not going to do this. Um, or I'm infertile. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have grandchildren because some parents are really waiting for that moment when the grandchildren come, uh, you know, that they can say, like, like you would say to your, your mothering friends, read this and, and you will understand more of what my life might be about or how, how my life could go and the richness of it, the fulfillment of it. And, um, yeah, so so while I would think first of people who are considering, you know, in the process uh, or who have no children and kind of would like some confirmation, for me, it certainly helped uh, all the research I did, all the books I read, and it certainly helped, you know, 
see more context to my own life. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point too. I think the book really um, could benefit parents reading it and giving it to their, their children, uh, maybe be when they get ready to graduate from high school or in their twenties as a Christmas gift to also maybe check their own beliefs or pressures mm. or, you know, what, what's been told to them, well, this is the way that you should live life. And even though I made this choice, it's okay if you don't, or, you know, even have a conversation about it. Like sometimes there's not even a conversation in families about, well, sex for number one, um, relationships, marriage, dating. It's just kind of like we go through life and we have these relationships without a whole lot of discussion or talk, but it's also allowing the or children, education. <laughs> right. Allowing the children yeah. to have more of for them to do, to really decide more independently than having, you know, these social norms per se, or pressures or even family pressure that a child would be expected. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a very sweet thought of the conversation and maybe also in groups of friends, you know, when this, with the summer coming up, I would love people who are, are vacationing with their family, with their friends, with their, you know, whoever can bring a book and say, Shall we have a conversation about this? And and also with friends who have children, why what why did you have children? And what what does it mean to you? That's also a very sweet conversation to have. Yes. Well, our time is slowly coming to an end here. It always flies by with you. I love that. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can um, just let people know, let our listeners know a little bit more about your website, um, where they can find you. And I'm um, also curious to know what else you have on the horizon now that this is done. Do you have anything else that you that you have on the work in the works? Mm, thank you for that opportunity. So my website is my name dot uh, com and, and maybe I'll spell my name. L-I-S-E-T-T-E-S-C-H-U-I-T-E-M-A-K-E-R, lisettschuitemaker.com. And um, that's where you can find me. You can also find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook under my name and under my book titles. And uh, I am delighted to say to you also that just Today, in the mail, in the post, there was the German edition of the Childhood Conclusions Fix that's also come out in Italian, and that is bound to come out in Korean and Chinese, so that is kind of making its journey in the world. And my next project, I'm quite reticent about it, but um, I have many friends already of various ages who have become widows, Mm. And, and I... I've started to talk to them about, you know, how is that process? What what kind of a journey, what kind of an intuition, in, initiation into a particular uh, human experience is that? And uh, so up until now, I've written about things uh, that happened in my own life. I am not a widow and I don't hope to be for some time. Uh, but I think so. I'm exploring the topic uh, and for now, it's it's already given me really beautiful conversations with, with women I know, and I know some of what they went through, but there's a lot I did not know. And I think that is also uh, a difficult topic to breach sometimes when you have a friend who's gone through that. So that might well be the topic of the next one. 
Mm, well, and we love to talk about death here on the Path Love and <laughs> oh, yeah. Podcast, you know, we, we and the afterlife and all of that, you know, which is why we've gotten so heavenly evolved in the Afterlife Awareness Conference um, as well. And I can also be a resource for you because I do, um, you know, if you are looking to pull some widows, I have some people who have come into my life who have experienced that. Um, and I know that there are many out there and that's, that's, that's a great, great, I think topic to begin to explore, to write about, to research, because that's a really, gosh, you know, I mean, everything's kind of like a life changing moment, right? But, you know, talk about grief and then how to, how does one start over? What is life like, um, you know, after yes. that? It's, and how do you become an I again after being, having been part of a we? Yeah. <laughs> what is the discovery in kind of untangling and, uh, you know, how does that process go? Well, thanks for your confirmation, April. That yes. Really nice to hear. Thank you. And thank you so much. And we would, as always, love to have you back. So reach out to us. And um, thanks I so will. much for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you for your lovely conversation. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. 